his children so much maybe he'll stop this redeem him somehow or maybe the release i've offered him is his only true salvation Welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your fear of God hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, Reed was here a minute ago, but he did say his sister just showed up at his house. I hope that everything is okay. In the meantime, while we wait on him to return, allow me to welcome you listeners back into What Saves Us, the second of a pair of overarching series this year, this time featuring films and media that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity, and not to overstate things, but that are saving you now. Last week, we played Is There a God? 
with Fogger and Horror Enneagrammarian Asia Schwarzentruber as we looked at the 1991 film The Addams Family. This week, we are spinning plates and fixing birds with the film Bless the Child. And to help us to do what we will and will what we do as fellow lost boy and Sydney Prescott stalker, Jackson Harper. Jackson, Howdy, y'all. welcome back to the show, brother. Um, it's my hat trick episode. Yes, it is. You're, did, yeah. you're three. Now you're in. I did three uh, for three this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen if it's three for three. But um, if you don't mind, Jackson, check out this candy in the back of my van. And I will remind the listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things such as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise, read. You're back. Hey, buddy. I'm back. Hi. You are. It's good to see you. We've got it's a buddy good to see today. you, too. Hey, Jackson. How you doing, man? Howdy. Nathan, it was a puppy in the back of the van. Not was candy. it? Dad, gum it. It was Dang a it. puppy. That's what, <laughs> that's what happens when you watch the movie late at night and then are just trying to remember scenes for your jo- jokey notes. <laughs> oh, well. The puppy. Yes. Even better. <laughs> it was so much better than candy. It was. It was. Oh, well. It's still creepy. And yet so much worse. Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> All right. So Reed Jackson just informed me while you were away checking on things that this is his third uh third appearance on the show. I know. Boy, Jackson, you just came into the fog like a storm. Like you just you completely <laughs> were like <laughs> you were just like, I'm here for it. We're happy yeah, to buddy. have you, man. This is great. You've, so you've, he I mean he buttered us up with Scream and the Lost Boys, and now he's revealing his true mm-hmm. colors. <laughs> he's like, uh, this will get him. Give me bless the child. <laughs> All right. Before we get to that, I told y'all, I told y'all you're good. You're good. (laughs) We're going to have a good time. Um, Before we get to that movie, Jackson, this is a little bit of news to you, but we've got one bit of business time unless there's another one. I'm forgetting. Okay. No, just one. Okay. So you've been hearing about it for a little while. uh, uh, And last week you heard some more specific details. We are in October, which is glorious and amazing all at the same time. And this October, the month we are all currently occupying, we are for the first time in the five years of the fear of God hosting the first annual, hopefully of many, Fogoween parties for the entire fear of God community that wants to come. Uh, This is extremely exciting. Uh, As you learned last week, please save the date. It is October 29th. That is a Friday. We're going to kick things off at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, p.m., 8.30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. Uh, by now, you should have seen on the website the banner at the top uh, that is going to be your basically your, your avenue to RSVP to this event. And I'm sorry, Reed, I'm still in your thunder and didn't mean to, no, uh, but you, uh, uh, you, you RSVP to the event there and we will send you the Zoom link. This will be an event, a live event over zoom for you and other folks in your household who want to have a good time with the fog community. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to keep going. We're going to have sure. raffles prizes. We're going to have trivia contests. Jackson's going to sculpt his mustache in a really amazing way. <laughs> and we're going to all show up and be here for it. Uh, dress up. It is going to it like, you're our people. This is, this is the night. 
Last week was about the Adams family. We're declaring us all Adamses. Come on out. <laughs> have some fun. Doesn't matter. So we're going to have some trivia time. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares? Just come, please. It's going to be so much fun. And then we're, we'll do it again at some point in the future. But right now, this is the one we got. So October 29th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, Jackson, where are you going to be October 29th of this year at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? In Orlando, Florida. Right. But, but what are you going to uh, be doing? I, I will try to be virtually joining mm, yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> that, try, is, that is try, the, the goal. Try, try hard, brother. <laughs> I can't ever tell. <laughs> but, dude, I'm, I am excited. I am excited. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Reed, are you, are you excited? excited? Oh, I cannot contain my excitement. This is going to be so much fun. Oh, my gosh. We're going to get to see some people we've never got to see. They're going to get to see some other people that they may have heard but never seen. It's going to be yeah, a great time. It's going to be it's wild. Going to be fun. It's going to be, and it kicks off Halloween weekend. Halloween is all weekend because yeah. it lands on a Sunday. So I, it feels like Christmas. It feels like I mean, a gift. It's, <laughs> like, it's amazing. It's a gift we're giving ourselves, the gift we're giving our community. Man. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, <laughs> There's a awesome. blow up version of old Jack Skellington in my front yard right now. That's nice. awesome. Anyway, so mark mark the calendar, uh, uh, RSVP, and in a couple weeks, I don't know what date this is airing. This is probably going to be the like 14th or so, something like that. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. uh, we will send out the Zoom link uh, probably in one go as close as we can. Uh, so we're trying to compile the list so that we're not sending multiple emails. Um, so it'll be pretty close to the actual uh, date when we do send the Zoom link. So go ahead and RSVP. Go ahead and pick out your costume. Go ahead and have a buddy or two so that you can participate and have a grand old time at the first annual Foggaween party. That's business time. <laughs> business. B- business. <laughs> I know that reference. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. So, um, you know what? We did it last week and we had so much fun with it. You want to do it again? You want to do, uh, J- uh, Jackson, you want to do a Whatcha Watching? Why don't we, why don't we kick this off? I think we right. should, but. You know how oh. I have some famous friends that like to hang around. Oh, and yes. sing the jingle. Yes, yes. So tonight, sing the jingle. Tonight, I brought along Mr. Willie Nelson. <laughs> so he's going to come in and sing this for I'm us. So excited! I love Willie Nelson. <laughs> what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening? Two. That's amazing, is amazing, Mr. Nelson. Oh my God, Willie Nelson! I've been a fan for so long. This is so great. That was perfect. Well, was he can't perfect. stay long. He's got some. Yeah, uh, well, we appreciate it. Things, but you know what? He's he. But he's going to go out on a high. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That's a dead lassoism. But God, I love it, and it's so perfect. Um, Jackson, what you've been watching? What you've been reading? What you've been listening to? Okay, so this one, this one is one, this is something you can watch, read, or listen to, but it's all the same thing, so I'm not going to waste too much of your time. Okay. Uh, have y'all ever read or seen the miniseries of uh, Looking for Alaska? I haven't. Um, I have heard about it. It's in my radar, but okay. I, I don't know next to anything about it. You say Looking for Alaska? Looking for Alaska. It's a it's a no. it's a novel by a guy named John Green who also wrote uh, the Vault in Our Stars. Mm. Oh, I'm okay. Paper with that. Towns. Mm. Yeah. So, and um, 
it's the first book of his. I think it was his first novel that was published, but I read it a few years ago when I was moving away from Nashville to Kansas City. And they recently put out a Hulu miniseries. So you can watch it, you can read it, or if you do what I do, you can listen to the audiobook narrated by Will Wheat. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And it's a story about a, a, a teenage boy from Florida who ends up going to Alabama to this uh, boarding school that's kind of, it's a prestigious boarding school, but it's kind of in this backwater part of Alabama. Mm. Um, and he meets a, a girl there named Alaska. And I don't want to give too much about the story away because it takes some turns. Okay. But it is, it is just so beautiful. And the book overall is about uh, several of, of uh, John Green's novels kind of touch on this theme, but it's about a couple of different things. It's one, it's, uh, it's kind of deconstructing the uh, mani- manic pixie dream girl trope Mm, Um, okay and but it's also to piggyback on that it's sort of about how you can never really know what's going on inside of another person Mm. and uh but it talks about a lot of things it talks about like mortality and youth and you know there's a lot of smoking and drinking and swearing (laughs) and sex in it and but it's such a beautiful story. And uh, the Hulu adaptation that came out earlier this year or late last year, I can't remember, but I watched it and it's excellent. It's an excellent adaptation. It really does a good job of uh, fleshing out kind of the side characters in the book because the book is all told from one point of view. Mm. And uh, the, the mini series takes a little bit more of an omniscient view of the characters. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's worth anyone's time uh awesome. to sit with this with this piece of work yeah so that's that's mine. awesome no that's awesome i i, I want to check that out because um this is not my watcha but hulu uh recently did an adaptation of a book called nine perfect strangers that my wife and i watched and the reason i'm Been bringing that up commercials, yeah. yeah and the reason i'm bringing it up is not to steal thunder from looking for alaska but I feel like you're praising the adaptation of the book and i feel like i have recently noticed that uh, adaptations of novels that are presented in more of a limited series form than restricting mm-hmm. it to like a 90 minute or two hour film really do provide some some unique opportunities to flesh some things out and to to do some different things while also maintaining hopefully the spirit of the book so so that intrigues me quite a bit i'll i'll definitely mm-hmm. want to be checking that out absolutely thank you um nathan you mind if i go mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and just, no just i don't mind bust. go ahead please yeah so um there is, uh, at present, I don't think this is the only place that you can see these films, but um, it is the primary place that you can see these films, as far as I know. Um, there's a pair of documentaries. Brace yourselves, everybody, because each one of them are four and a half hours long. So this is nine oh hours of viewing that I am recommending. But the documentaries are called In Search of Darkness. And in search of darkness too, and the subheading is a journey through iconic eighties horror, and it is oh nine Where is hours. This found? Oh, Where oh is I didn't found? say. Sorry, on Shutter. Oh, oh. Shutter, Shutter okay. is probably the primary place that you could see it. Um, there may be other outlets. I haven't done my homework on that. There may be other outlets where you could probably like pay to rent it if you don't have Shutter or something like that. But 
if you don't have Shutter, no, they don't sponsor the show. Uh, but uh, it's like five bucks for a, a, a mm-hmm. month, and you can see all kinds of stuff in spooky season. So give them a shot. But In Search of Darkness is again nine hours of documentary, and basically what they do, and because, and this is why it's important to show that it's two documentaries, each one. Uh, four and a half hours long is because they have slightly different formats to them, but they do kind of the same thing, wherein they will kind of focus on a year and they will highlight some films from that year. So like they'll they'll bust in 1980 and they'll talk about the fog and they'll talk about the changeling and they'll talk about the shining. Uh, So they'll talk in brief specifics, two to three minutes about each of those films from the 80s, maybe seven or eight entries. Then they'll spend about 10 minutes talking about a trope from horror film, but I shouldn't call them all tropes, a category or element of eighties horror. They might spend some time talking about the makeup and practical effects. They might spend some time talking about the movie posters and the way the art changed. They might spend some time talking about um, tropes. Like I mentioned, like the final girl or the villains of those movies or stuff like that. And so it really is an expansive and impressively comprehensive, uh, when you when you sit through the first one, I intended to just watch it over time like a miniseries where I was like, I'll watch an hour here. I'll come back to it. But that Saturday morning when uh, I had started it, I just watched it all the way through. I couldn't stop watching it. It's, it's very propulsive. It's incredibly watchable. They've got interviews with a ton of iconic 80s stars. Um, and if you're interested in 80s horror, uh, but you don't quite know what to watch, it is going to give even I... With not you know the best of all lists, but I consider myself pretty much uh, an avid '80s horror. Uh, you know, I'm aware of most of what's out there. I even stumbled across three or four on there that I had not seen that I wrote down that I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go and and check those out. So if you're looking for maybe something new in that vibe, I highly recommend the documentaries "In Search of Darkness" and "In Search of Darkness to A Journey Through Iconic '80s Horror." Both available on Shutter. Check them out. Speaking of '80s horror, cool. Reed, am I wrong? Because when I we started watching the mo- when I started watching the movie that is our primary talking point today, I went and looked up Chuck Russell. Did he direct Dream Warriors? Uh, he, he did. Did yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay that's yep. what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Dream Warriors uh, is not my watcha. So <laughs> uh, I'm mildly hesitant to throw this out, but it feels oh, a no. little disingenuous to um, to the spirit of our show of our of what watcha is and of sort of ignoring the real world uh, to resist it. So I was really racking my brain because I just haven't watched a whole lot lately um, for the show. Uh, uh, or rather, I'm watching stuff for for us um, and stuff that I'm watching that isn't for us. I referenced last week. Um, so I was really trying to ponder. And I have started a book, uh, but I'm only about a third of the way through it. And I may bring it up on another episode when I'm further in. And it felt like just sort of signaling, Hey, I'm reading a thing, not like this is what I'm doing. So I was kind of racking my brain for what was in my consumption recently that I would recommend. And and so that's in the spirit of this note. And I have too many, too many qualifiers is what I do. I don't know that I'm throwing this out to start a conversation. It's just letting you know. So I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm in the car a lot. Um, And one that I am going to tell that I listen to that I would recommend um, is I've recently grown to enjoy the Ezra Klein show. And he has a recent episode 
uh, called On the Precipice of a Post-Row World, and specifically inspired by the events in Texas currently and the ripple effects oh. that has broadly in the country the three of us live in. And again, it is not my intention to open up a can of worms other than to say, like, I think it is appropriate and right for those of us who uh, even even suggest the whiff of faithfulness about our lives and spirits that we think deeply about the issues that affect ourselves for sure. But uh, uh, the three of us are three men, uh, the women in our world, uh, uh, literally our own worlds, as well as the broader sense of the word. And so I entered this, listen to this podcast because uh, I'll try to keep this brief. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember thinking much at all about the, about the issue of abortion until my freshman year of college, when I was sitting in a class with a professor, an English professor, Dr. Joyce Brown, Reed, lovely woman, oh, yes. uh, who mentioned having voted. It was, it was an askance comment. It really was not pertinent whatsoever. It just informed some other sort of thread of conversation uh, uh, where she mentioned having voted for Bill Clinton and a, a student peer in the class uh, uh, literally right there uh, burst out with, so you're for killing babies to this, to this professor. And that, I remember that like being one of the first moments I was like, holy crap, that is strong. What? It, mm. honestly it it sounds naive to even say it right now but i just hadn't i didn't know much about this as an issue and so i hadn't considered it really and so that was a rather rude awakening to oh wow there's there's people who not only think that thing the person just said but are willing to explosively and rudely uh speak it into the world so anyway uh, uh flash way forward um and, and what all i'm trying to establish is why i do think there is value in us as faithful folk considering these issues and thinking through and absorbing uh, um, various inputs as it relates to this. But also for me personally, um, my wife and I, before our third child did suffer a, what's called a missed miscarriage and had to, as part of that process, my wife had to take some medicines that uh, would help her biologically deal with this medicines that by new Texas law would have uh, been criminal to the doctors mm. that were administering this, <laughs> but, but were mm. necessary and, and required to be able to deal with this. And so this podcast episode I'm referencing uh, uh, is easy to find, uh, but it's the host Ezra Klein who, who references his own personal sort of intersection with the broader implications of this uh, legislation. Um, but he has on the show a woman named Leslie Reagan, who is the author of When Abortion Was a Crime and Dangerous Pregnancies, two different books. Um, and they just have this really interesting conversation. And I think I think there's so much when you come to things with a willingness to learn that can be revealed and, you know, read what was the um, what was the Isaiah phrasing Josh used. learn to do right learn to do what is right learn mm -hmm. learn right be curious mm -hmm. be curious learn things don't be arrogant and and I will throw this as a nugget to the two of you who are men occupying the same world I do 
I was sharing this with my wife and she was like, well, yeah, uh-huh, right. But I had never heard of this. And in this conversation, they're just literally this woman, Leslie Reagan is sort of a historian and she's just kind of talking through here is kind of in, in survey form, a kind of historical look at abortion as a concept. And it was really fascinating because she says two primary takeaways here, and then we can move on to other things. One, there is conception and there is a term called quickening. Have the two of you heard of this? Uh, I was unfamiliar with this idea. I wouldn't be able to. I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah. So, So what she basically establishes is in a prior era when modern technology didn't determine the most granular aspects or ascertain the most granular aspects of our lives, this concept of the quickening was what would have been a woman's comprehension that she is pregnant typically aligned with the first detection of movement by her, right? Like, oh, okay. I sense movement. I am pregnant. That's the quickening in a right. nutshell, being very reductive. Okay. And so she, what she posits is previous in, in a previous era, prior to the quickening, abortion was not criminalized, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, until you felt that as a woman, that's when, okay, we're past the, we're at the point of no return. You can't do this mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And so one, that's just a really fascinating, informative thing that I learned. I was like, okay, well that, that affects the conversation. Does it change it? That's for the person learning and absorbing to decide, but it affects the conversation. The other mm-hmm. thing that she brought up that was really fascinating is she said that she was referencing, talking about the ultrasound as a concept. And she said, the reason the ultrasound was invented was to help women detect problematic pregnancy. And what Mm -hmm. is so Mm -hmm. fascinating is that the ultrasound is what is now being weaponized in order to enact legislation like this, i.e. because we can detect, you are now criminal, right? Mm -hmm. Versus Mm -hmm. what it was intended as, which is we detect to determine certain sort of scenarios that are very personal and deeply held. Right. It's a long-winded way of simply saying, I know you were not planning on me throwing this in the mix, but as I assessed, what have I been listening to that's impacted me? Um, you know, I thought about it last week, but I'm like, Adam's family does not invite a conversation about this. No, uh, no, I get it. Uh, and I, get it. I love Martin Short too much uh, to ignore him. And so what I was listening to and what I would encourage thoughtful people of faith, whether you come away with a new perspective or, or not, is... It's a worthwhile hour of your time to listen to these people talk uh, and and you might learn something and might change something, but at, at a minimum, you might learn something. And so uh, on the precipice of a post row world, recent Ezra Klein episode, easy to find. Awesome. All right. What you watching? What you watching? What you reading? What you reading? What you listening to? All right. So, uh, all right. So, uh, that first of all, sincerely, uh, this is going to be a very sort of record skip, like, 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 like jarring segue, but, um, because right, like, there's no easy one. There's there's, a, yeah. So there's, I didn't leave you a lot of room to run. No. So, so, so we're going to just, we're going to leave that. I, I, I affirm, uh, listening to conversations that will challenge and educate, uh, us all. So I affirm Agreed. that. So, um, 
<laughs> so, I, I so love now, it. This so is now, a bunch we, of dudes trying to tiptoe around <laughs> around a thing. I'm not tiptoeing. I'm just saying it's good to listen to other perspectives. Yes, that's exactly and, right. And try to try to keep your mind open. There's nothing Amen. wrong with that at all. Amen to that. Um, so, Jackson, in just a moment, I'm going to give you the floor for us to um, dive into Bless the Child, directed by Chuck Russell. Nathan, you called out earlier that he directed Dream Warriors. He also directed The Mask, starring Jim Carrey. Um, and he also directed a film that I love that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, and that's the 1980s adaptation of The Blob, which I absolutely love. It's wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've never, never seen that one. I've never seen that Oh man, it is wonderful, and I'm very affectionate to the one from the '50s. But i I find myself I find myself revisiting Chuck Russell's '80s adaptation more, and I I, I just uh, love it so much. But, that's the uh, one where the, like the blob disintegrates people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, yeah. Okay, just yeah. like it doesn't just absorb <laughs> them. Like you can see they are they are wasting yeah. away. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but Jackson, Bless the Child stars Kim Basinger. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I'm just going to pass the floor to you. Tell us why you decided this was going to be your uh, What Saves Us entry in this uh, this overarching series. Let us have it. Okay, this might take just a minute, but um, got it. so I've told y'all off pod, like the reason I want to talk about this movie is not much to do with the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the story of how and when I saw it, mm. because that, that is, that is a story of the time I was saved mm-hmm. and I've been debating for weeks how much of this story I want to tell, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and tell all of it. Okay. Wonderful. So when I was 17, I just gotten my driver's license a little bit before that, you know, and, um, I, one night I was driving home from choir practice and I got a speeding ticket and I came in the door and I showed my parents a speeding ticket and they kind of laughed it off because, you know, first speeding ticket, that's kind of a rite of passage, right? Mm -hmm. For a new driver. Well, the very next week, literally one week later, I was driving home from the same choir practice and I was speeding again and this cop blue lighted me and me and my stupid teenage brain, something some switch got flipped and I thought to myself, well, maybe I could just get away from him and, oh, uh, no. and lose him. Oh, so I no. sped up. And so I was briefly involved in a high speed police chase. <sighs> oh, oh wow. Wow. And the guy pulled me over and he had his gun out and Oh my word. It mm-hmm. was bad. It was real bad. And, uh, he was really upset with me, of course, because obviously once he saw me, he knew I was not some criminal. I was just a stupid kid. Yeah. Uh, but I had to sit in the back of the cop car and he called my parents and told them what happened and everything. And honestly, like I, I felt like an absolute fool because I'm a, I'm a smart person, but at the same time, I do have an impulsive streak that gets the mm. better of me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a time that happened. And so what ended up happening after that is um, we actually, my family went to church with the DA. Oh, wow. And so we privately arranged to deal with it. Now I realize what this sounds like. This sounds like 
privileged white kid getting off for yeah. committing a crime. Of course, what I did was not specifically criminal. It was just stupid. Uh, mm. And so I agreed with uh, the DA that I would surrender my driver's license until my court date. And then they would figure out what to do with me after that. But I had to go to court. And so this, this lasted uh, the time between I surrendered my license between I had to go to court. It was a couple months in between. And, uh, and it was the fall. And I was working at a business my parents owned at the time and my parents and specifically my dad, this is really a story about my dad. My dad decided not to punish me because he, I think my dad saw that I was doing a really good job of punishing myself because mm. my parents were disappointed, but I was ashamed, mm. you know? And so I was at work one night and my dad was there and it was a real slow night. You know, I wasn't the only one working. So he got the other guy to watch the store and he said, we're going to go to the movies. I said, okay, because me and my dad, that's what we do. We go to the movies. We've seen so many movies together. This is the only time I can remember of all the years I've been watching movies with my dad. This is the only time that he's ever taken me to see a horror movie. Oh, wow. Because I believe he had read in like Focus on the Family that if you're going to watch a horror movie, this one's kind of okay to watch. Wow, (laughs) that's funny. Because it's violent, but it's a very sort of, it's a very pro-God. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. Film. So we went to see this movie and honestly, the movie's really bad. <laughs> uh, it's really, really bad. But at the same time, like when I was 17, I didn't recognize how bad it was. And sure. honestly, I was just happy to be having like a normal night with my dad where I didn't have to think about the stupid thing I had done and the, yeah. the trouble I was in. And so yeah, what saved me in that moment was my dad's kindness. And, uh, and I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, not necessarily on the pod, but, you know, my, my feelings and, and beliefs about God and who God is, that's kind of, it's complicated. But mm. what I do believe is that the way my dad acted in that moment was godly. Mm. And... Mm. So for some reason now I've got this weird affection for this terrible, <laughs> like second rate supernatural thriller from the year 2000. So that's, yeah. that's, that's an incredible story. This movie tonight. That's I, a- I, I love that. I love that. I mean, it now feels like an even harder segue to actually try to talk about the movie than, me, <laughs> than coming out of my whatcha uh, was. <laughs> Because of how lovely that is. Oh, I mean, it's I, fine. We can we can tear no, no. into it all you want. <laughs> you're good. Ready. You're good. No, no, no. I just love. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And why I'm happy to be in this moment is the pitch was, hey, what's saving you now? What sort of film or media or whatever is saving you now? And yours mm-hmm. is the the things that happen on screen are inconsequential to the experience associated and the memories associated and the sort of whiff of heaven associated with your Mm -hmm. experience of it and i just think that's pretty incredible (laughs) and i love that you offered it and i love that you shared that story and i'm glad that you got your driver's license back eventually i did (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know what i have i've i've gotten a few speeding tickets since but not in several years not in a while so and not because i've gotten a lot better run the cop (laughs) 
Yeah. And that has never happened again. <laughs> you know, it's so funny as I thought about this. I mean, I, I can't relate to the running from the cop scenario, but when we were in college, uh, uh, there was a flurry. I haven't gotten a speeding ticket in 20 years because late in my college days, I don't know what, uh, just being stupid or careless. I probably got about three or four speeding tickets within like six months. And I was like, that is it. Never. This is absurd <laughs> and stupid. I don't even understand why this keeps happening. I mean, clearly I'm speeding, but you know, my dumb luck. And so literally since that last one, I consistently am at like nine over. I will cruise control at nine over. And I'm like, nope. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. Well, not let me let me day. ask you something. At the time, were you still wearing those big Frankenstein shoes? Because <laughs> that might have had something to do with it. Yeah, those yeah. Pretty that's heavy it. looking. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, third is the end, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. No, oh, it's I funny. um. I also want to just uh you know just echo, but without rehashing every word just just thank you for sharing that story i think that story is amazing i think that story is wonderful um so what's funny is that i saw this film in uh like in college and i saw it while i was speeding reed was watching this movie (laughs) (laughs) so nathan and i would have known each other by the point that i saw this movie um but i remember i specifically saw it with 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 different friends and I saw it very much on a pitch that was similar to what your dad had heard, like from focus on the sure. family or something like that. Like, Oh, this is a, this is a religious horror film. Now keep in mind, mm-hmm. I have tracked for a very, very long time, the faith elements and the faith explorations in mm-hmm. horror media. Uh, I think, I think it is fair to say it was on my mind before it was part of, a broad cultural conversation. So blips like bless the child were unique where it's, it's a horror film, but it directly deals with like, I mean, prior to bless the child, there had been a multitude of different films that had dealt with certain religious aspects directly, but they would usually be an element to the greater whole, not, Oh, this, this is the thing. It is, you know, a battle between, Mm -hmm you know, the God and angels and the devil and demons Mm -hmm. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what bless the child is fundamentally it's, it's underlying foundation. Um, And so I remember when I watched it, there was a sheen over it that Mm -hmm. at the time there was such a dearth of films that directly embraced that to the degree that I was able to then say what, you know, your dad heard. I'd be like, Oh, if you're averse to horror films because you're a believer, check out bless the child, you know? And so mm-hmm. like I'm sitting here pitching this and then time and distance have not been kind to it from a technical objective no. standard, you know, especially no. like <laughs> for, first off, first off. So I'll kick the door down. All right. First all of all, right. b- before I say this, first of all, there is nothing I will say in the next hour ish that will take away from the beauty and the loveliness of that story you shared and what your dad did. Mm-hmm. That having said, this film script is so on the nose. It's got hay fever. I mean, like oh, this boy. thing is, <laughs> it is just like, wah, it is so, I mean, this is a complete direct, like every single scene has, I mean, this is about, I'm not trying to just like be completely punny. I'm trying to find like, metaf- like it's, it's less subtle than Godzilla. I mean, like it's it just never complete- medically Godzilla. Say it go up and give a great big hug to like Cody. <laughs> 
<laughs> right exactly yeah and and <laughs> i mean but the the worst of it i think because honestly the on the nose script is the thing you roll your eyes at and then just kind of keep pressing on through the film but why did they give like the effects budget to a grad student like, <laughs> <laughs> no that's not a grad student yeah I mean, that's not a grass dude. <laughs> those, those gargoyles. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Um, I it's don't know just... what is going on with so many. And the of those... CGI rats. Oh my gosh. They're so awful. Yeah. Like when I, I got to oh, admit, when, when the shot first pivots over and it's her in the room and everything's swirling, I was like, oh, that's awful. But then, like, they, you get they close make the, ups of the rats. <laughs> it's awful. They make the very bad yeah. mistake of closing up on the rats. And I'm like, oh, you should not have done that. You should have just yeah. kept the camera like way in the corner because boy, those do not look good. Well, what's funny and about at that the is end, like the rats come together and like turn into the devil. And that offended me because I think rats are cute. And uh, I was like, the rat I was like, I don't turtles. appreciate. Yeah, well, even that's better than the devil. <laughs> so I didn't appreciate them associating rats with the devil. That's right. That's well, right. What, what was saying? funny about that, the CGI is I because I'm with you. It's is rough, but rough butt is <laughs> is wow. I'm gonna name a movie and you're gonna be like, what? So what it made me think of is like Raimi Spider-Man one. And what I, all I mean is this was an era where we thought you can just CGI everything and it'll be mm -hmm. fine. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess all I'm saying isn't to forgive the horrific CGI. I mean, it's, it's rough <laughs> at the same time. I think what I imagine is some producer being like, no, 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 it's great. Look what Raimi's doing over there and look what so-and-so did over there. And, uh, uh, you know, we can take this and do that. Look, you can put gargoyle, you can put the devil on screen. It's like, <laughs> man, but just because you can do a thing, as Ian Malcolm tells us, doesn't yeah. mean you should do a thing. And so, yeah. I don't know. I just think, uh, 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 Jackson, you wouldn't know this, but last week on our Adams Family episode, we we hailed the the practical effects of that film. Mm -hmm. I just think there's an easy case to be made that a lot of these late '90s, early aughts. Uh, thrillers were reaching far beyond their grasp. Yeah. You know, it's just not yeah. there. Well, especially to, in horror. I mean, we've it's been mm -hmm. talked about to death, but horror and CGI just don't work that well together. Yeah, not uh, not if it's executed like this, to where it's supposed to inspire yeah. a tremendous dread. amount of awe and dread. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, like <laughs> I will say this. I actually, comp I think that's a really astute take, Nathan, on the whole. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, CGI is just available to us. So we're just going to pepper mm -hmm. CGI everywhere. That haven't been said. Lord of the Rings is next year. Like this is 2000 and Fellowship sure. of the Ring is 2001. And the CGI budget between the two is, you know, tremendously different. I mean, Jurassic Park, which. Right. No, you're. You yes. Know, but you're seven years before. You're, yeah. You're yeah. But the CGI shots the in, in Jurassic Park are minimal. Like, that is true. There, there's a lot of practical. No, you are it's practical. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point because they had the puppet. Anytime that it's interacting, like the mm -hmm. it, it is, it is very, very much a, a puppet in a lot of so scenes. Yeah. So that, and and I will, that is fair. I will also you, say on this movie to to sing its praises just a little bit. The mm -hmm. money that they skimped on the CGI budget clearly went to the stunt drivers. The <laughs> oh man, stunt driving in this movie. <laughs> 
is top notch. <laughs> so I would, there are like I would agree three sort of driving scenes. I'm like, wow, they really did that too. <laughs> they dropped right, that car well, off that bridge that's, and exploded you, it in midair. Like that's so funny. That was like <laughs> this is like the best worst car fall ever. Like the best worst <laughs> moment ever. Right? It's so bad. It's good. Um, yeah. Let me let me let me throw my experience of bless the child out. So. Oh yeah, we haven't really talked about. That's that. all right. <laughs> You've been chattering about this movie for some time to us, I know. and but but because my life is my life, and maybe it's also because I'm just I like to think I'm thoughtful and a caring friend, but I just don't. Maybe I'm really not. Is I, I hadn't looked what you're referring to. I was like, oh, bless the child. We'll get to that. Okay, okay, you know, and <laughs> okay. And, and, and so I didn't know until it come time to watch it. Till it came time to watch it, like the day before or maybe the day of. I was like, okay, I'm watching it tonight. I know that. What is this movie again? So I go and I go and uh, uh, on my phone, I use the um, Apple store. Kind of, this is how I look up run times because run times are very important. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm watching this tonight. How long is it? And so I, I plug in bless the child and it's the Basinger, the, the, uh, you know, a movie poster image of the burning cross and her kind of in, in profile. And I was like, oh, I remember seeing that art. And I texted Reed. I was like, is this is this the one? And he's like, yeah. And it had a 3% Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, that mm-hmm. took work. <laughs> you know, yep. somebody yeah. worked to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to be real honest with the two of you. I watched it and I was like, that's not awful. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have now the brain you go into a thing is going to affect how you consume it so i didn't know am i supposed to watch this mystery science theater style or am i taking this seriously i don't know so i did take it seriously and mm-hmm. i was like eh, you know ah. and also because i didn't remember jackson you saying that you're what saves us aspect to it wasn't the film itself but something connected to it i'm like i need to give jackson his due he is this is his movie <laughs> And I need to find what's good in it. And, you know, I would not have given it a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess I'll say that much. It's at least a four. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway. it is cited. It is among the hundred worst reviewed movies on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's, the, yeah, it's there's a list there. that you can That's, see. Yeah. And yet here's the thing. Even even apart from my experience of seeing it, and that, that might color it a little bit, but there are parts of this movie that work on me. Oh, I agree with that. I, Just no, absolutely yeah, no. work on me. A hundred percent. So I, I can't dismiss it completely. Obviously, there's something going on in it. I get, you know what? I think you've made a really, really good point because even, and admittedly, I had seen the film before. There was one moment that I remembered and I remember in my first viewing of it, it was the only moment of the film that I remembered. And I remember, it's probably the same one I'm thinking of. Maybe because I remember loving it. I remember loving the heck out of it. And that is you want to go me. into that. So, right. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Let's, yes. let's do that. And I will segment interruption. All right. All right. Go take take us in, Andrew. That's so right. You were saying, Reed. <laughs> okay, so normally, especially on these guests, on these guest shows, 
I uh, we let the the guest go first. So in case the moment I am thinking of is the moment Jackson is thinking of, I'm gonna pivot and toss and say, Jackson, you go first. No, I, I want you to go first because I've got a backup. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. I want to okay. hear. I'm curious. Now you've piqued my interest. I want to see right. if it's the same one. So the moment that really got to me, and the, and and this was the first viewing moment, it pairs up to a moment that moved me much more profoundly in this second viewing. So I'll mention the initial viewing first. Okay. The one moment going into Bless the Child this time that I still remembered was the scene where Rufus Sewell has her on the, the top of the building and is okay. badly quoting scripture to her and is, is urging her <laughs> to... Is, why is he quoting King James? Like, why is he doing That's that? That's so like, funny. At this point, there are... Because it's... Come on, Reed. Because well, it is the talking about translation. His religious tradition, his version of Satanism, whatever you're going to call it, is from that same time period. That's a good they point. They keep bringing up point. the 16th century... Yeah, so, no, that is a that is a fair point. But yeah. I remembered from my first viewing that when he's oppressively sort of like haunting her with all of that, that she turns around and says, after you. And I remember mm -hmm. her turning around and spitting after you back at him really got to me my first viewing. Now, what I'm going to do in this moment, because that was that 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 was my first viewing one. I have a second viewing one, but at the risk of, of stealing your backup, I'm going to pivot over to you now, Jackson, and then I'll take it back before we get to Nathan to mention my this viewing. That's wow. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm ha that's happening. <laughs> All right. So well, I'm going right. to tell you. I'm going to tell you what my backup one was because I just think it's. Um, I just think it's fun. <laughs> it's the part where it's the only comedic moment in the whole movie. <laughs> there's a part at the beginning of the movie where like their kids are all gathered around that bird that's hit the window oh, yeah. that, uh -huh. that Cody's about to bring back to life. And uh, Kim Basinger's talking to the nun and she goes, do these kids even understand death? And the nun goes, you'd be surprised. I'd blame the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> blame the Lion King. That's a great line. <laughs> so, um, no. Okay. So the moment I thought you were going to bring up is very similar to the moment you did bring up because it's another it moment be between one. it's probably, yeah, it's the moment, the other moment between, uh, Eric Stark, Rufus Sewell's character and, and Cody, uh, where he takes her to that alleyway where the homeless man is. That is it. That was, that was going to be my second one. That was my, this viewing. So, right. So take us away. And that is, that is the moment that even, even at 17 years old, you know, and I was, I, I've always been a little bit of a, of a, an easy cry, mm. but even at 17 years old and yeah, I was, I was in an emotional state at the moment, but the way she just throws her arms around that man and says four beautiful words, mm -hmm. he hasn't forgotten you. Mm. Mm. And that has that is a moment that has stuck with me for 21 years yeah and honestly it it sort of it sort of uh reminds me of the way uh that my dad was treating me at the time like mm. you know mm. he hasn't forgotten you so yeah that, that's i i can't i will never shake that moment i you know every time i watch it i i just lose it I, I, I got to say, I could spend 
a jokey, jovial two hours really tearing this movie apart. That moment you mm-hmm. just described is straight up legit. Like if mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think I think kind of regardless of the wavelength you're on, it's disarming, it's poignant, it's powerful, mm-hmm. it's very affecting. That moment for all of the kind of silliness or triteness that saturates this movie, that moment is really disarming and very, very affecting. Uh, oh, just if yeah. I can throw in there, I know you're going sure. through your own thing, Reed, but no, that was yeah. my thing. So I don't need to oh, you know, oh, because okay. that so, was what I was. So yeah, answer. bear in mind, I'm going into this like 3%. Whoa. And <laughs> that scene happens. I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's, that works. That's <laughs> good. That's, that's, that's affecting. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Um, I I'm I'm scanning my list. What's really funny in this moment, Reed, is like, this happened last week on Adam's family where in the moment I was like, Hey, are we doing that? Ain't right. Or that's so right. Like I wasn't hundred <laughs> percent sure. Cause I couldn't remember. Cause I know we're doing trying to steer into scary that saves us for October. Um, I'll throw this out. I know. So again, like I can be gracious. I can be gracious. I know this movie is not well-made <laughs> and I know it's so on the nose. It has hay fever to borrow Reed's metaphor, <laughs> but the, what did I call them? The mystery strangers. I liked it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I liked mm. it's on the nose as you can get, but mm. I actually don't think the movie, uh, uh, for as much as it points very loudly to all the things in it, it leaves that one kind of there. Uh, what I mean is there's the janitor. Um, oh, yeah. There's the guy who who helps her at the bridge rack. Mm-hmm. There's the woman who holds the subway door for her. I don't, I don't think I'm forgetting mm-hmm. one. No, but, those are the three. Those are the only yeah. three I caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I like it. For a movie that is not subtle whatsoever, mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah. Um, and so to me again for a movie pointing to major non-nuanced things mm-hmm. i liked the use well, of that and i and and i'll not only echo that as something that i had affection for see that one the he hasn't forgotten you moment i would hold up as this is uncritiquable that's a strong moment sure mm-hmm. the mysterious strangers things got to me because of my affection for what they were going for like if somebody yes. else was mm-hmm. to indict it as cheesy i'd be like okay yeah maybe it is a little cheesy but i yeah. responded very similarly to you to where i was like no i did and especially the one in the subway because i love what they say you know like the one who rescues her from the bridge doesn't really say much it's just like you got to step out like you know you got to take my hand but the janitor says to him you're not working alone tonight. That's and great. I wrote it, I wrote it even down. It, it's a pretty affecting line. Yes. He says, a good man is never alone in this world. That's, yes. mm-hmm. that's great. That's really lovely. But it, the subway car I mentioned earlier, the moment that stuck out to me was the after you moment, the subway car, the girl who holds the door open so that they can make the subway, but demon nanny can't when mm-hmm. she holds the door open for her, she says after you and the girl, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't oh, wow. that. yeah, yeah, and the girl, and it is following that moment on the top of the building. So the girl looks yeah. up at her, and the gr- you can see on the girl's face, the girl knows, like, oh, yeah. Are you referring to the girl Cody or the subway? The girl Cody. Sorry, okay. yeah, like, yeah. Cody is having a recognizing moment between yes. her and this mysterious stranger because the mysterious stranger looks at her and says, "After you," and then grins at her, like grins at mm-hmm. her, like, 
And and I was like, yes. So so I'm I'm applauding and echoing for a for a movie and a script that tries in no way to be subtle in most of its areas. That is a subtle and mostly effective little touch that those things are mm-hmm. there. Um, and and so I do think that's that's pretty praiseworthy. I think it's so. Would you fun. would you you just did it? You'd categorize those things as so right. That's just so right. <laughs> that's awesome. And I here we write. are. Now that we've done all the so rights, I do feel the need to throw that ain't right in here. I've, I've got some too. Jackson, okay. do you think we I've could, got you, one. Yeah, okay. I've got we're just going to do it. Yeah. We haven't had it in a while. Read. So we're just going to do, we do, do it. We're just going to do both. We're going to oh, do both. Snap. Here it is. We haven't heard it in a long time. Here it is. Take no, us away again. We've never Andrew. done both in one. sure as hell ain't right oh my god my <laughs> mind is blown it's so funny this has echoes i'm watching i'm watching lost with my kids my big kids right now and we just watched an episode in season four i won't spoil it for those of you who might end up getting to lost who haven't there's an episode in season four that does a both a flashback and a flash forward and they were <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I feel like this episode of the fear of God is. We're doing both a that ain't right and a it's that like, so right. <laughs> Steve Beckley, Steve Beckley is rapidly writing down in continuity. <laughs> he's, he's like the one episode where they did so right and that ain't right. That will be right, a so I am I am gonna go last on this one. Okay, okay. because right. I've got a very specific one, but I want to hear what y'all have. Okay. All right. First. Cool. Cool. All right, Nathan, you, you you were eager. Go ahead and uh, and kick us off for it. Um, I'm gonna do. Um, let me glance glance at my notes real quick. Um, I'm gonna do my primary and then a runner up that wouldn't be. I don't think on any of y'all's list, so I don't feel like okay, stealing gotcha. anything. Okay. But the primary. <laughs> Maggie is so. Is it Christina Ritchie who's in this movie? Oh, it's uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She yeah, was featured last week. Yeah. 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 Got to run. Yeah, we got a run going there. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Kim Basinger, Maggie is on the phone in the subway and she gets jumped, right? Yeah. You remember this? So one, I jumped. I was oh, like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> oh and then gosh, the scene. <laughs> yes. Then she finds old Wednesday Adams perched in a little uh, 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 shoe polish chair and goes, oh runs God. up to her. And then oh your girl's God. head falls off. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Just rolled right which, off her means, which means this like cult of satanic teenagers <laughs> took a second. Cut her head off on the floor, then moved yeah. her body to the chair, then meticulously placed oh, her yeah. head on <laughs> back on her body. They punked Kim hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got you, girl. He's sitting in the corner with a cell phone, like, watch this. <laughs> the other, yeah, yeah. They didn't have cell phones back then. Um, but the other one I'm going to throw out, and I think this is, I think this is towards the beginning. I can't remember. But is it the, is it the really badly executed magical Negro trope on the bus? 
right? Yeah, that one. That it's the very oh, first scene that's of the movie. Rough. But but this is it's not what the I'm the very first of. lines of the movie. But it's bad. okay. Well, <laughs> well, there's a scene where someone that I thought was her on the bus, but I think I may be mistaking my scenes here. There's a scene uh, where an African American woman says to Cody, and this is a that ain't right because because so it is clear this is not a right thing. <laughs> this is really poor theology where she says, pray to the baby Jesus for your mommy. And one day she come back to you. And I was like, no, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, that child this that. movie, this movie, except for Jimmy Smith, this movie is not very good for people of color. Well, mm-hmm. definitely not that. Yeah. But it's yeah. also yeah. Just got really really poor theology in it you don't <laughs> yeah. tell a child who's had suffered a tremendous loss but that's the uh that's the babysitter slash okay yes mm-hmm. yeah Who, yes is a person of color as well that's right you're right you're right yeah uh yes so yes you got these yes this <laughs> this movie <laughs> checks all the boxes you got yeah. your magical <laughs> negro on the bus you've got the the magical latina who is the housekeeper? Uh-huh. This is not. Oof, this boy. is not healthy storytelling. <laughs> no, it's definitely not good theology. <laughs> true, yeah, true yeah. that. So it's clear. So, I'm not speaking pejoratively. This is a trope I'm referring to about the woman on the right. bus yeah, in the front. Exactly. Yes. No, so exactly. we're speaking pejoratively about the trope. Yes, correct, absolutely. Which needs to go away. Which is amazing because on that subway, the one I'm referring to there, her accent is like, "Are you Irish?" I really don't know what they're going for. <laughs> I here. couldn't tell either. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, but that ain't right. That That's, ain't right. That theology. Yeah. That ain't right. That is not <laughs> how faith in God works. Agreed. So, uh, deferring to Jackson's desire to go last, I will throw this one in. Um, and I just, freaking, the man's just sitting there waiting for uh, Mim to bring back cody so that they can drive away and then oh yeah, yeah, yeah in the getaway car <laughs> and, and he turns around <laughs> when, he, when he turns around oh my god like three stooges style freaking well, Manny it's very, the eyeballs uh, it's very out. scream four with anthony anderson oh man but just to no, call back that episode because no, anthony anderson survived that remember <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> survive it. He just sort no, of wandered around for a seconds. Yes. yes. No, no, no. What's so good? What? Why that one, Reed? You made a good choice. Okay. <laughs> but what amplifies that from that ain't right to that so ain't right? We're just blending them. Oh, man. Is the only other scene with that dude is he's like, don't worry. I've done this before. I got <laughs> I've done this, this before. I got <laughs> and then a scene later. Like, clearly, you <laughs> don't <laughs> got it. No. Oh my right. gosh. It's that awful. Is, that's yeah. comedy. That's oh All right. man. So so mine is my that ain't right is not so much that ain't right uh because of what's happening in the movie, but just the logic of it is is baffling. <laughs> and that is when they drug Maggie and they put her in the car and she wakes up in the middle of traffic <laughs> on a bridge <laughs> going the wrong way. I mean, like, I know that he's got some sort of like satanic magical powers, but that right. that is some next level stuff right there. Oh man, <laughs> to be able to pull that off. <laughs> well, what's so funny is I thought that I was like that gum, but if anything, I was just impressed. I was like, I don't know how you did it, but you. Done I mean, what it. a way to kill somebody, right? 
It's so convoluted and so impossible to pull off. Because, because they're busy thinking, how did I get in this scenario? They're not trying to swerve. No. Well, that was the thing. Is like, was their aim to kill her or to discredit her? Because when she tries to call, when she tries to call Jimmy Smith, and he's like, well, you can't come in because they're going to arrest you for drunk driving. It's like, she, I don't yeah. think that was the end game. Yeah. Of we altered the laws of physics. Here, which culminates, we've referenced it, but we need to give it its proper place. Yes, which culminates, y'all. I, I am not making this up. I was like, so she crashes the car, and then Mystery Jesus shows up with his crazy facial hair. And while she's in the car that's tipped over the side, uh, uh, smoke starts happening. I was like, they are not about to do this. <laughs> <laughs> she gets pulled. The car tips over. What's so amazing and kind of impressive about how bad this scene is, is it's so bad. Like, there's no <laughs> score, right? There's no, like... I don't think so. There's no production there, yeah. value at all, except they pushed <laughs> a car off a ledge and exploded it in midair. But it's like the most fart in the wind style explosion it's like <laughs> you know it's like that was that's what you did this is not a michael bay movie y'all like this is not that movie yeah <laughs> in, in the language a, yeah in the language of cinema that scene just entirely ain't right no, no it, it right. ain't right at all and i mean like that's that's the thing i applaud you, know you for it, going for it but well do you know what it reminds me of although this is actually pretty of a pretty funny thing there's an old calvin and Hobbes comic strip and it was a i remember it was a sunday edition comic strip you know the big ones that were in color mm-hmm. and there was a sun there was a sunday calvin and Hobbes strip where in the strip the very first shot is of a plane and as the plane is going, suddenly the the hydraulics and the mechanics uh, fail and the plane is barreling down towards the ground. The very next panel is got a train that is driving and suddenly there's a, a like a coin on the rail and the train is going so fast that when it hits that coin, it jumps the rail and like <laughs> leaps over and like lurches <laughs> over this other direction and meanwhile the very next panel shows the ground from an earthquake beginning to kind of like sever open it begins to kind of crack open and so then the the next to last panel shows it says uh it says as farmer john was about to light the match that would ignite his stove so that he could cook his bowl of soup or something like that and said his mouth began to twitch and you see that like gas is leaking in his house. I don't think I shared that part, but gas is leaking in his house. The plane that is falling is headed straight for his house. The train that is derailing is looping straight for his house. And, and the ground that is opening is pointed straight for his house. It's like that scene reminded yes. me of that. It's like yes. they are covering all their bases. They're like, Everything. She'll, be, she'll be discredited if she survives the head on traffic. But even if she doesn't, then we've got this bomb somewhere. Drown, we'll explode her. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. explode the car. <laughs> it's just like it was. It was just funny to me. Oh my gosh! Oh it so ain't right. So ain't right. All right, take us out, Andrew. That sure as hell ain't right. Oh man, that was That's fun. That we pulled that off. God, that was fun. Um, <laughs> this, I had, this movie's not so bad. So, so uh, I guess not. We, 
before we get into it, it, I will say there's a certain degree of fun. Like if you, it's easy to rag on a movie like this, Uh but it asks very little of you except for time and time may be precious to people who don't want to spend time on something like that, but it asks almost nothing of you. It is easy to watch. Nathan Mm -hmm. already mentioned that like, you know, with the appropriately tempered expectations, it's genuinely enjoyable on a certain level, not Mm -hmm. just, the nostalgia, you know, that like I, I don't have the same nostalgia you have for it, Jackson. Again, uh, hearkening to your lovely story, but it's it's still like there's there's a a, a, a tone to it. There's something in mm-hmm. the. It's more the, than merely watchable. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, no. I think that's a good way to sure. put it. Um, and uh, I had forgotten that Ian Holm is in it. Like yeah, I know. <laughs> I love Ian Holm, man. That man can and show up. He's anything. the guy. He's the guy in this movie that knows exactly what movie he's in. That's oh yeah, totally right. Like he's totally just—he's right. got one scene. He was there for probably one day of shooting. Yeah, and he was just like, "All right, I'm gonna just go crazy with this character for this one." And little then scene. they shipped him off to New Zealand right after it. I think yep. you know what, Jackson. I think you hit the nail on the head. He knows, maybe unlike maybe because I think Kim Basinger, who is an Oscar winner and she's a really competent actor, I feel like even she is trying to play it very like genuine. I feel like Jimmy Smith. I love how you just delivered that. What? Even Kim, it's just like building the argument in favor of this movie. Even Kim Basinger, what you started with was who is an Oscar winner, and then said and a competent <laughs> actor. I was like, <laughs> yes, hopefully. But no, it's it's a no. reasonable statement to make given yeah. the movie. And I mean, like, she's incredible in LA Confidential, which won her Oscar, but she's, you know, she feels like she's trying to be very earnest in this. And mm-hmm. um, and Jimmy Smith's God bless him, who you know like he just his character. I think you mentioned this earlier, Jackson. His character is treated well. I like I like mm-hmm. his character, um, but is very yeah. on the nose. And I don't know if Jimmy mm-hmm. Smith knows how to do that, like how to do it with like the moment where he's sitting there. He's like, Lord, I could use some help. I was like, I don't know if this character prays. I know Jimmy Smith needs this character to have prayed, but I don't know if this character prays because it didn't mm-hmm. quite have like the veracity that I needed from it. But um, all of that to say, again, to echo back, Jackson, you're spot on bullseye. They hand that script to Ian Holm. Ian Holm looks around like, oh, y'all seeing this? Like, y'all see this? Like, okay, y'all want me to do this? All right, I'm going to do this. (laughs) It's it's great. No, he's like, oh, this is great. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to chew and chew and chew. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I think about this sometimes in a moment like this. I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm sure you probably did, or at least are familiar with it. The Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman animated series, or not animated series, the Batman series from the 60s. Mm-hmm. That was actually, actors would beg to be put on that show as villains. Sure. Act, con- <laughs> like award-winning actors would beg, can I please sure. get on Batman? And the reason they wanted to do it is for exactly what we're talking about, where they would say like, I can be unbridled i can be completely yeah. outrageous and right. it totally will fit with the tone of this mm-hmm. and i want that i have to do all this serious heavy yeah. nuanced stuff let me just play for crying out loud and i feel like ian holm really does that for his scene well well okay so you're interesting and in, you're introducing an interesting idea that might be fun to to banter about for a moment and that's like this is where um remember read drag me to hell and how mm-hmm. it didn't click for me, didn't work for me. Uh, and, and I, and I, you know, I can respect it for what it is. And like Ramey 
well enough, but, but even still, it's not one I'd like return to with, with enjoyment. Uh, and so you have a movie like this where it's like, okay, are you going is, is, is the production going for serious? <laughs> does, does Ian Holm know what even the production doesn't know, which might be a fair statement. He is Ian Holm. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, what is the, what is the exercise? You know, are we just trying to tell a schlocky sort of supernatural religiously infused thriller, but have a rollicking time while we're at it? Is it, mm-hmm. is it serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this is, these are questions that keep me up at night. Not really. I sleep rather <laughs> easily. I fall asleep rather easily, but you know, so I guess in the spirit of that, like, cause Kim Basinger, you're right. She is playing this straight as an she arrow, mm-hmm. which isn't at odds. And I think works fine uh, mm-hmm. for the track she's on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there, are there alternate sort of castings that might have been interesting for it? for the more sideways take on it. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying like, it's one of those weird tonal movies where mm-hmm. you like it. I, I did think about this and this is signaling a little bit of my sort of God meter ultimately is like it, it, it like so many of its kind. It's like, we don't really know what we're talking about. Everybody. We don't know. We don't know what we're talking about y'all. I don't know if you can tell. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> like, this movie is screaming. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what we're talking about. Like, it yeah. is loud. I just got this visual of all the production staff on a runaway horse going, <laughs> help, help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Who, so are we trying, actually, who are we trying to appeal to here? Go ahead. Jack. I actually what, do have a little bit of a, a thought on this, and I think yeah. maybe that can get us into, into sure. some themes mm-hmm. because... I think what's interesting about this movie is you've got a long tradition at this point in horror with uh, the evil child trope. Sure. Right. Most, you know, most famously represented in the omen. Oh man. Mm -hmm. And this movie, if you think about it is just an inversion of the omen. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, that, enough kind of justifies its existence now did the people who were working on it did they have the skill to carry it carry it right out? when you said no, inversion of the no. omen jackson right when you said inversion <laughs> of the omen i was like it's not that smart it doesn't know that <laughs> which isn't me being that, a jerk well it's apparently it's based on a novel and right, which it I've is. Not read. It yeah. is. so yeah. right. so maybe maybe the the writer of the novel that's fair was doing that and maybe the screenwriter was trying to do that but just clearly didn't have the chops didn't get it um or maybe the novel's bad who knows um (laughs) right i I can't i can't speak to that at all but make that your next watching (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think that that's a really i think you know we've seen the evil child so many times it's i i find it refreshing that in this movie you have a good child that yep. that evil is trying to to bring in and corrupt. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's some value there, but yeah, absolutely. They just, they just didn't they just didn't pull it off very well, right? No, I and mean, I think the metaphor, the imagery of the producers on horseback being dragged <laughs> yeah. dragged to the release date. Like, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah. oh, we don't know. But I love what you I love what you said though, Jackson. Is that is that like 
this is not merely an innocent victim child. This is a good child. Like this is a child yeah. who exerts in a couple of scenes we've already sung the praises of her own agency and mm-hmm. and is capable of resisting the pull of the evil forces that would claim her on her own without any support whatsoever, at least in the moment against the forces of evil. Yes, ultimately, she is a child. It is worth noting that I wonder, and it is a wonder of my part, not a statement on my part. I wonder and would want to hear uh, from people who are more attuned to the autistic world if the handling and language around autism in the film is problematic. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I don't know because that's not an exposure that I have. Um, But regardless of that overlay to the film, I think it is worth noting what you pointed out, that this is a good child. This is this is a Mm -hmm. child who is framed around angelic divine sensibilities, not. And that is an inversion of the, you know, child is born evil, born to, Mm -hmm. you know, transact the devil's will across the world. And that's what they that's what they want from her. They want to like, I mean, again, this is perhaps pivoting back into beating up on the film, which I'm not trying to do in this moment, but like the mm-hmm. ending scene, like Rufus Sewell's statements of like, like, I want you to do, do a vow of Satan as your Lord, or I'm going to cut your throat. I'm like, what is your end game here, man? Like, I do not know what you're, I do not know what you're after, but that having been said, like that cast aside, like she is an arrow of, uh, of benevolence. She is an arrow of just like, we didn't call it out, but uh, and it's certainly a lesser scene compared to the homeless man and maybe even the scene on the top of the building. When she hugs a sick lady, she walks by, mm-hmm. she looks and she's like, you're really sick. And then just mm-hmm. goes over and hugs uh, her. Great. And and we don't know what happened. The film well, what doesn't... I do think is actually pretty deft about that scene. Remind, correct me if I'm wrong, but it lingers on the woman hugged. Yeah. It does. It lingers there. Her face changes after. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And there is, uh, I do think there's something um, pretty profound and and pretty powerful about that, despite the the times when the film is trying to aim for like, you know, more of a good and evil thriller vibe. Like, I think Mm -hmm. perhaps if it had honed in a little bit more on the child as presence and not necessarily the child as um you know danger because all of the scenes that we keep praising revolve around when it leaned in on that like the Mm -hmm. the moments that the we keep highlighting are the moments where it's centered around cody and her goodness Mm -hmm. in the world and her influence in the place around her that really worked and the times when the film was trying to be more of a mystery uh, horror thriller kind of fall flat. Some of it because of production yeah. value, some of it because of scripting. Um, so it might've been a totally different film in the hands of somebody who really was brave enough to focus more on Cody's presence and activity in the world around it, rather than Kim mm-hmm. Basinger's character being the main character. And I do think sure. it, it, you know, it is her story as it were. Well, it's well, like you, my other favorite moment of the movie is the scene with the prayer candles. That was great. Mm, yeah. Mm, I, I, found that I think that effective. scene is excellently done. I mean, it's still, it's not subtle. It's so on the nose, but who cares? It's just, it, it's shot well. And then the look on her face when she turns around and she's in tears. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, she's crying for us. She's crying for all of us, you know? And 
you, you get the sense that those candles are being lit because every one of those is a prayer that Cody is saying in that mm -hmm. moment. That's that's what I get from that moment. Oh, I think that I think that's a spot on interpretation. I would agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say? It's just, I think it's just interesting watching a movie like this where and, and maybe this is why I sort of found myself sympathetic to it um, is like you can see the 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 good intentions that got mm -hmm. kind of lost in what I imagine this is speculative. Uh, what I imagine is sort of studio slash producer edicts of just it's just it's reach exceeds its grasp. Like it's trying mm -hmm. to do way too much. Um, mm -hmm. Like you're saying, Reed, maybe slicing off a few of its bigger ideas and honing in on a more direct through line. Because I mean, you know, from a you know, like the Omen in reverse is a good comp, um, and on its face is an interesting concept. Um, mm -hmm. I just think they, I think that idea gets buried under the weight of early aughts, you know, yeah, film conventions of the time. Right, right. Well, and because the the, the villains of this film are trying to capture and I was about to use the word coerce, but I don't think that I don't think that's quite right. They're about corrupt. to like, corrupt. That's a better word. Yeah. They're going to corrupt the innocence of these children that and and they keep trying and failing. Like they keep going after ones that don't work, which is heinous, by the way. Like we haven't talked about mm -hmm. how because in fairness, the film doesn't exploitatively, from my perspective, the film didn't exploitatively linger on this, but you know, mm -hmm. there are there are others in this film that they've tried to do what they try to do to Cody. And when yeah. that failed, they just discard them all. They just cast them aside. And that's yeah. the, you know, the 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 serial crimes that lead our heroes to try to to try to solve this murder um, or to try to solve this this case. And I feel like that 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 idea of trying to corrupt something that is potent and powerful um and it's like what it makes me what it makes me think of is this might be too heavy or weighty a thought for a film like bless the child but i can't get past the name it, it's probably the novel's name maybe this is on the novel's name or not but mm -hmm. i keep thinking like bless the child don't like distort the child don't corrupt the <laughs> child don't you know like the 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 idea of what they want to do is they want to leverage this power and they mm -hmm. want to use this power to their own ends. And I think about the responsibility that falls to us for not just children, because as, as parents, certainly your mind would naturally go to, to your own children, but also just um, um, perspectives or, 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 or people over whom you have influence over and the temptation to want to try to leverage that for your own purposes and your own ends instead of seeing a spark in someone else or particularly the responsibility of, of raising up children in the world or raising up younger hearts, younger minds, um, and, and fashioning those to where they are going to 
provide hugs and remind people that God hasn't forgotten them to where they are going to notice the illness in others and, and spark kindness or, uh, you know, uh, uh, touch them with uh, compassion as opposed to just disgust or turning away from it. And we have a certain degree of capacity to protect that in the people in our lives. We have a certain degree of capacity if we we're so inclined to corrupt that or leverage that in people's lives. And that's a choice that we have. Again, probably too lofty a theme for what Bless the Child has on its mind, but I couldn't get past that notion of the title itself and, and mm-hmm. that, that, that being a kind of, I don't know if you want to call it mission or aim that falls to us to say like, yeah, no, this, is, this is how you treat specialty. This is how you treat gift. This is how you treat... Um, something that you see that is divine. This is how you treat something that, and I'll go back to it. So please, please forgive me. And I say this sincerely, please forgive me if uh, this is taking something that's very personal and, and doing what I don't want to do, which is leveraging. And it's like, I think about the lovely story you told about what your dad did. And he made a choice in that moment. Sure. Had, had probably only tangential things to do with, the film you were seeing, but you made a statement that I wholeheartedly agree with. It's like he behaved in a godly and a Christ-like manner in terms mm-hmm. of, I mean, chose to bless you in that moment mm-hmm. as opposed to do something else. I think that's a, that's a powerful and a potent lesson for us, for any of us, mm-hmm. whether it be parents to children or friends to friends to, to take somebody who is clearly in a state of hurt is clearly, as you've described in a state of shame, and choose to provide blessing and choose to provide comfort, choose to provide affection. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's not a shirking of accountability or a shirking of responsibility to simply, um, you know, provide a, a benevolent blessing should you have the power and influence to do so. And, uh, and I, I find that a very lovely thought. Again, forgive me if that's accidentally leveraging your story for something that. No, that's exactly, I, that's exactly why I brought you this movie. Mm-hmm. because i think that's i think that's ultimately what this movie gets to in its own clunky way is two things one the darkness cannot stand against the light mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. two perfect love casts out all fear yeah and yeah. i've i've used that 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 verse in reference to the exorcist with you before like right. yeah, that's exactly. why that's why we both love that movie that's why we all yeah. three love that movie i guess but mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, I think that that's, you know, the way my dad behaved, like he, he, he showed perfect love in that moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what this movie has on its mind. Mm-hmm. And it's using this schlocky tale of, of spiritual warfare to get there. Maybe it doesn't have it on its mind, but I'd like to think it does. I want to give it the sure. benefit of the doubt and that it's just, you know, got lost in, in translation somewhere along. Sure. The way. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I think, I think that's really astute. But um, like, for example, like when at the end of the movie, when, when the angels show up mm-hmm. in the, in the chapel and you see, and you see Rufus Sewell's face and the angels now they're not, they're not as far as CGI in the movie goes, they're, they're the best ones. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're Cause just, just light. yellow light. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. But like, they're beautiful, <clears throat> but, the, but you see, you see Rufus Sewell's face and he's terrified of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's terrified of this beautiful thing. And, but then 
you know, you see the faces of, of Cody and, and, and Jimmy Smith's and Kim Basinger and they're just in awe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that this movie, I, I think it wants to talk about goodness and kindness and light and love. Mm-hmm. It just didn't do it very well. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's true. And I, I love what you pointed out there uh, just now. The look on Rufus Sewell's face, and you and, and you said this more astutely um, in, in the setup to it that like the darkness can't stand against the light, and I think that's mm-hmm. something we miss a lot in mm-hmm. our navigation because we live in frustrating times for many people in many mm-hmm. different ways, and I think that's something that we can very quickly lose sight of. Is I think we do come to a place if we're not careful where we begin to think that darkness has always had the upper hand. Um, there is a sentiment. I do not know, Jackson, if you have seen this, Nathan, I know you have. The listeners may or may not have seen it, so I'm only going to reference it in passing to highlight a moment and then to illustrate a point. But the first season of True Detective contains a yeah. conversation. Oh, my. Yeah, and it, it, it contains mm-hmm. a conversation. There may come a day on the fog where we cover that first season writ large. So I won't say too much about the context of it. I'll just illustrate the point that a character looks up at the stars and sees the stars and, and basically illustrates that you can focus on the darkness or you can focus on how dark everything is. But he looks up and he says, you know, at one point there was, there were no stars. So it looks to me like the light is winning. And I find mm-hmm. that re- tremendously powerful. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is something that in dark nights can be very, very, it can slip through our hands like so much oil um, and, and we begin to fear or feel like the darkness is going to win. Like the, but that moment you, you referenced, clunky and on the nose as it is, Rufus <laughs> Sewell is terrified of these glowing embers of light that continue to, that, that what fills the wholesome hearts with awe and joy and wonder darkness trembles in the face of it. And that that is something that we lose sight of. Could the film have done it more poetically? Could the film have (laughs) expressed it more, you know, impactfully? Of course it could have, but that's still a sentiment that I cherish. And that's still something that I hold with great conviction in my heart as a truth. And, uh, and I think that, that this film illustrates it, whatever critiques we may uh, point to how well or not it does so. I think it 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 definitely illustrates that. Um, I would see like um, I would say just like in general, if there's anything else that anybody wants to throw in, either a moment or or an idea. If not, then then maybe we can pivot to the fog meter. Nathan Jackson, I yield to you, my friends. Oh, Danya the nanny is terrifying. And that's before <laughs> she turns into a demon face. Like the moment she walks into the room, you're like, no, no. Never <laughs> Not leave my this nanny. woman alone with uh-uh. a child. Never, ever, ever. That's I don't so have true. kids, but if I did, no. Uh-uh. No, that is quite true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. That is 100% true. Um, Nathan, you got anything or you want to pivot to the fog? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we can definitely head there with some, uh, urgency. Um, I don't know. I, 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 the only thing that's left here that, uh, didn't really get said that I found impactful that we don't even have to linger with much, but Smith says to, I think it's our leftovers sniper character, but maybe Mm. someone else in the precinct. Because I was a seminary student, and they say what happened. Yeah. And he says I found another way to fight him, and I, I don't know. Mm. I, there's there's a lot of places you could go with that, but I found yeah. it really for well, as Jimmy unpoetic. Smith just, 
Jimmy Spence just throws that line away. And it it's great. That's, mm-hmm. that's not, what he well, does I think that's best the, as an actor yes. throw lines away. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> because he's not neon signing it you know it's like yeah this is this is a character statement and choice and yeah i don't know i mean i think ultimately uh i found myself not like uh you use this phrase occasionally read at a certain point i was like i'm kind of rooting for this little misshapen yes. uh, uh sort of malformed uh, uh not exactly <laughs> fully fleshed out movie because you know it's 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 pointing to the star and i mm-hmm. don't want to begrudge that mm-hmm. of it yes and its heart is firmly on its sleeve it is like here is my mm-hmm. heart <laughs> you know there and it so- is do you see it here yes right there do you see yeah. it right there like that's what it does <laughs> <laughs> exactly and it says it repeatedly for an yes, hour yes. 40 here right there <laughs> meanwhile the producer, we don't know what we're doing <laughs> Gosh. Um, all right. So, so with that, I think uh, we'll pivot over to the fog meter, which in this uh, specific series of what saves us is uh, transferred from our patent pending fear of God, their scares and substance to fun of God, which I think will, for consistency sake, we will continue to be the metric that we use this for. Now, Jackson, this is your submission. And uh, if you want to include the personal nostalgia and the personal touches uh, uh, emotionally and mentally and spiritually that this film has for you, then feel free to do so. But with all of that in consideration, what would you rate out of 10, bless the child, on the fun meter? This is so hard. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, it's a bad movie. Uh, Yes, my experience of first seeing it when I was a teenager was formative somehow, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say about what's the child. And also, yes, I enjoy watching this movie. I've watched mm-hmm. it like, you know, three or four times over the years. Mm-hmm. And I always, I, I know it's stupid, but I enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I am, I am going to try to balance all that out and give it a nice six. Okay. That's- okay. I can, <laughs> I can sit with that. I can sit with that. You know what? I, in the spirit of rooting for it, and in the spirit of uh, finding things with their heart on their sleeve, very endearing, uh, I think I'm going to land at a five for it. Because I think if you are generous of heart towards it, there's some things to find here that are not very hard to dig for. You have to be forgiving of the unsubtlety. You have to be forgiving mm-hmm. of the poor production values. But there are things that will genuinely be fun either by laughing at how ridiculously silly it all is or by genuinely being moved or, or perhaps uh, encouraged by some of the smaller, more tender moments. So I'm going to land at a five for myself. Nathan, what say you? My impulse was a five, so I'm going to stick with it for many of the similar reasons. Yeah. Uh, what would you say for the God meter for it? I think a six. It is clearly painting a picture it's a pretty messy picture, <laughs> but it, but it's efforts I want to honor. So a six. Gotcha. Okay. So for myself, I am literally going to give a point for every scene that we've referenced oh, in the movie okay. that, that, that. I thought uh, that's where you were stopping. No, no, one. no, no. Not like one. No, no, Okay. No. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give the, the movie a point for every scene that paused me. Like we've referenced on the, episode already that like he hasn't forgotten you after you 
no good man has ever, ever works alone. You know, I, I can't remember exactly the quote, but like, you know, those little touches. And by my count, that brings me up to four of those scenes that are, that mm-hmm. I find like genuinely, these are unqualified. Those moments work. Um, I'll even throw in a fifth one for the candle scene, which I didn't count in my thing, but I do agree about. So I'm going to land at a five for the God meter on that. What say you, Jackson, sir? Well, you know, I watched this movie again earlier today. And before that, I would have been willing to just say, nope. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, wait. So uh, I guess, um, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go with Nathan. I'm going to give it a six. All right. Because. Cause I do, it's so stupid, but it's got, it's got such good things on its mind. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to honor that. So we're going to give it, we're going to give it uh, a six. All right. I think that is, I think that is quite in the spirit of this film and this conversation. And that means that we give bless the child directed by Chuck Russell, a five and a half out of 10 on the fog meter, which is not a bad showing. It's higher for- than Rotten Tomatoes. Is very, very much higher than uh, so much higher, <laughs> but proportionately, perhaps, it's incredibly higher. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps a trickier question to answer for a very myriad of reasons is would you recommend it? So I'm going to go, uh, Nathan, to you first. Would you recommend Bless the Child? Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not mad I watched it, and and I, I found this a very enjoyable conversation, but but I mean, no. I mean, it's <laughs> put that on the box. I'm not mad. I watched it. That's <laughs> <laughs> like Kim's. I'm not mad. I'm in it. You know. Like. So, I, I will say this. Like, I would give it a very qualified pass. Not. I'm not going to not recommend it. I'm not going to say don't watch Bless the Child. I'm not going to say watch Bless the Child. I'm going to give it a qualified pass. We've if here's it's the thing. on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, but I think the other thing that I'm really trying to aim for with that is if you're going for it, cause you want a scary movie, bless the child is not your movie. If you're no. going for it because you're kind of interested to see something that is about religion and faith in a much more direct way. And you don't mind a, an utter lack of subtlety. Like we've said at length on this episode, bless the child has some genuine things to offer. So I'm giving it, uh, I'm going to give it a qualified pass where I basically say like, yeah, sure. If you're curious, go for it for all the reasons that we've said and more Jackson, what say you? Well, I mean, I feel like I am recommending it because I brought it on your show. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, if somebody, okay, I would never like say to someone, Hey, you know what you should watch? Bless the child. But (laughs) if someone asked me, should I watch Bless the Child, which, by the way, is never going to happen the rest of my life. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yes. Check it out. Watch that. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You know, it's funny, uh, uh, maybe leaning too heavy on fight language. It's not a film I would champion, but I think Nathan's right. It is a film I'd root for. So that's, uh, you know, for whatever sure. that's for whatever that's worth. It, it's, um, the, it's the Rudy of supernatural horror. that's great that's great he got to play so little but he got to play um so uh jackson thank you sincerely i will say this this has been a great this has been a conversation that 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 i've enjoyed tremendously and i really thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to have it so thanks again for for your hat trick on the show really really appreciate Mm. your presence here and uh nathan as always thank you very much for every single week of these conversations um next week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And so I'm going to put an asterisk that uh, schedules 
depending. So schedules depending on this happening. I'm going to go ahead and say what it is. So you have a little bit of time to prepare. Um, but there is a little bit of an asterisk on the schedules have to work out. I think they will, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll speak it into existence. Um, we need you to familiarize yourself with another podcast at, at, as you want to called Creepy Cove Community Church. It is a podcast where the premise of it is a church service. Every episode is a church service with opening announcements and hymns and a sermon. But the premise of the show is that in this fictional town of Creepy Cove, every horror movie that you're familiar with actually happens. So the congregation are the members of every horror movie that you can probably think of. And the reverend in this particular, uh, the, the podcast host of this is uh, a man by the name of Peter Laws, who is a person who I have become uh, just over the internet uh, kind of friends with. And he has agreed to come on to our show, talk about his show, talk about his uh, past as a, as a reverend, and his, he's a best-selling novelist. Um, so next week, a little different. We don't have a film to equate you with. But check out Creepy Cove Community Church podcast, and then come back next week to hear our conversation with Peter Laws uh, about all things spooky and fun. He also wrote a book that might be of interest called The Frighteners. Uh, that's all about why people are fascinated with the macabre and fascinated with gruesome things, and it's a really, really good book. Um, so yes, check out any or all of Peter Laws stuff for next week. We will see you then. Uh, and as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Jackson, thank you again. Nathan, thank, thank you, you as always. We'll Thanks. see you all next week. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me read Lackey write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.